welcome to the second season of People's Jam. For the first timers, my name is Aziri, a girl that likes to ask questions. Season 2 will be different. It is all about students, their struggles and choices, university life and afterwards. So if you're interested, thank you for joining and stay tuned. Okay, hi Kenjin. Um, and I'm pronouncing your name correctly, right? Yes, perfect um, pronunciation. Great. Uh, so, forever who is listening, could you please introduce yourself, who you are, where you study, and where you now? Oh, hi everyone. So, uh, my name is Kenjin, and I'm currently a final year student um, at the University of Nottingham pursuing law. And currently, I also happen to be the president of my university's law society. Um, Throughout the years, I've done a bit of volunteering projects, and currently I am at Nottingham, but I was born and raised in Malaysia. So, thank how, you. <laughs> thank you. And also, just a simple conversation, as I said, as I wrote you an email, it's not like an interview. And so, how would you say growing up in Asia shaped your vision about mm-hmm. life? I think growing up in Asia and being immersed in the culture when you're young kind of shapes your values, the way you think, how you perceive family values, how you perceive um, studying um, ethics and also daily moral compass. Everything is shaped by the way you live when you are a child. And I think growing up in Asia, I mean, I'm speaking from my own experience because I think Asia is such a huge continent with um, people from different countries and everyone had their own values in their own nation. But in my, for my country in particular, I think I was brought up to see everyone as equals since I was young because Malaysia is a multiracial country. I was brought up to kind of respect people, to have sensitivities to its um, racial issues, to its religious sensitivities. And I think that was something I grew up with. And my family is quite traditional. Um, very collegiate family, everyone kind of respects each other. There's always this seniority that I felt kind of shaped my thinking until today. And even when speaking to professors today, even at university, sometimes I have difficulties calling them by their first names. <laughs> so it is quite um, relatable when I see um, other students from Asia kind of having similar difficulties to me because I think what we are accustomed to is not necessarily what is accustomed to in Nottingham and in the UK or even in the Western world in general. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, especially calling them by the first name and not like, oh, professor someone. You're just like, oh, hey, like John. It's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> so It is, it is. Yeah. Which is, sorry. No, so sorry. Yeah, continue. No, I said it's just, it was quite an interesting experience coming to first year. And then like, people address professors by the first name and I always thought that the system in Malaysia has uh, I mean in my country at least has quite a significant like uh, it's quite an obvious hierarchy system where like you obviously can tell who are the seniors and who are the juniors or who are who hold stronger and more prominent positions in certain societies and you always have to address them by respectable names and um, even by certain titles. But I think in the UK, it, it's different in the sense where a lot of people like to be called by their first names. And that's something that I had to get used to, definitely. And do you like it calling like seniors by their first names or you'd rather prefer using surnames? 
I think at first it was quite awkward, but um, now I've kind of gotten used to it. So it is quite just part and parcel of my daily life and how I carry myself in a day um, to me it doesn't make any difference. I think being from Asia, it's still the respect for people still stands no matter what name you call them by. Um, even though they may be a John rather than professional John, you still treat them like how they would be revered and respected as a professor. So I don't think it makes much difference these days for me. Yeah, I totally agree. Thank you. Why did you choose law? That's a very good question. So there are various reasons I chose law. And this actually relates to the first question you asked me. I think uh, even until today, there is quite a a strong, prominent value in Asian culture, where law is one of the degrees that a lot of parents would want their kids to pursue. And I think since I was young, I sort of displayed very... Um, very significant characteristics that kind of pointed me to a degree in law. So, for example, I always enjoyed arguing with people. <laughs> I always enjoyed like um, being the more rebellious one, and for good reasons because I always wanted to change, and I always thought that if something is normal but it's not broken, we can still fix it. Unlike people who say where things are broken and then only you fix it. For me, I always want to improve things and I always am not afraid to voice out my concerns. So I was thinking a few courses between law, journalism, um, other degrees that focus on communication and politics. Um, and then I think what's strived, uh, what made me decide to do law was definitely the decision that um, when I did it in A-levels, I realized that law is the best platform for me to expand my knowledge, to kind of get a middle ground of what all the world, the teams and the issues of the world are. And law is so diverse and such a beautiful cause in the sense that um, anyone who goes into law kind of doesn't really know what they want to specialize in and they get to learn that as they go along in their years. And I wanted that space to explore what I want to do. And I felt that um, by doing law, I kind of got to learn a lot about um, legal issues as well as how the law deals with them. And I get to learn a lot into different sectors of the world as well, like economics. You can take um, law modules that focus on that and environment as well. So I felt it was the most diverse and fluid degree that I could pick. That's interesting because as you know, like yeah, people diff- mm-hmm. definitely have like different um reasons but your reason yeah. is absolutely like it's cool honestly it's really cool to know that thank you thank you <laughs> and why did you choose university of nottingham oh i chose university of nottingham because i for me i i am very passionate about the environment and university of nottingham is one of the green campuses and um having a brother who kind of studied in london because my brother did his um engineering degree in london I kind of realized that London wasn't the place I wanted to pursue my education at, uh, simply because I realized that I would prefer a campus-style university where you're not in the city and you have to travel on the tube, um, five stations to meet someone. And, you know, you don't have to do the hustle and bustle of the city. You get like a little bubble. And I think Nottingham serves that quite well. It is a little bubble in itself. And everyone can kind of feel a sense of community. And even student halls, um, going into campus, it is quite um, an enriching experience because you are tucked away. You're near to the city with everything you need. There are shopping centers, shops, good restaurants, but you're still in your little bubble where you get to meet a community of students every day consistently and constantly. And that is something that not every university has. 
So that's why I picked Nottingham. And it, also, it is also one of the top law schools in the country. Um, obviously, uh, Nottingham, I, I hate to say this, but it was not my first choice when I was doing A-levels. But um, I Wait, sorry, am what not... What was your I first choice then? So my first choice was um, Bristol University. Um, unfortunately, I did not get in. Um, I got the grades to... Um, head to King's College London. So I had this like dilemma between picking a London university or the University of Nottingham. And uh, I picked the University of Nottingham because I did a bit of research and I realized that it's not just about the ranking. I also want to be a pl- be in a place where I feel comfortable growing as an individual. And also the, the lecturers in the University of Nottingham are so amazing. They're so professional. And um, I think this the University of Nottingham offers the best module selections as well. So... I decided this university over the London universities. Wow. Because, like, it's really interesting. You had, like, a choice, King's College and not University of Nottingham. And definitely, like, yeah. the ranking is quite different. And the name of the King's College definitely makes more, like, mm. sensibility to other people. But it's yeah. really good that you actually made your research and chose mm. the place where you want to grow. Because I think it's really important, as you said. And so how was yeah. your first year? And was it hard to blend in to the British culture because it's quite different from Asian? Mm-hmm. That's very true. Um, first year at university was a point for me where I had a lot of discovery about myself and who I wanted to be as an individual. I think um, traveling from Asia and then settling yourself in a foreign nation doesn't change a lot in terms of um, the physical environment of things because as much as students deny it, I think that because the University of Nottingham is such a diverse place, there are people from all over the world, you can easily create your own social bubble with people from your country and you can kind of create that community of home abroad. But I think the thing that changes the most when you're studying abroad is the mindset of how you perceive the world, how you perceive things, how there are conflicting values between um, Asian values and Western values and how you find your value within that and how you embrace what you believe in because I think it widens my perspective because uh, my first year at university was confusing at the start. I came into university not understanding legal careers. My parents, I mean, I was raised by a single mom and I, my mom was not a university student. So I came into university quite oblivious towards um, everything that was going on and training contracts and all these things. And it was not easily settling in, I would say that. But I think once you find your footing and you start being yourself more and kind of embracing your authenticity, um, you kind of find your support bubble of people who think like-minded to you. Because I think that with a university population of over 30,000 students, it's impossible to not find someone who shares something in common with you. And I think after a while, um, blending into British culture and understanding perspectives um, that may differ from where I'm from, kind of became something that I got used to and accustomed to and I started to enjoy. I think today, three years on, it's so much easier um, being here at university. I definitely enjoy the freedom of it. I enjoy the life. I enjoy speaking to people my age. And I think being abroad also kind of shapes the way you think in the sense that you, when you go back to, to your home country, um, this applies to me definitely. I kind of realized that there are certain issues that I did not pick up in the past, especially most recently with a lot of diversity causes and um, 
issues regarding racial minorities and issues regarding gender um, gaps and all these things. I think these things are things that I did not kind of, I wasn't aware of when I was back home, but when I came to the UK and kind of educated myself with all these causes, I definitely feel more enlightened when I go back and I feel like I'm in a better position to educate people. Oh, because I totally agree with mm-hmm. you. When you live back in Asian countries, you're kind of not aware of all these issues because you live mm-hmm. like in your own world, in your own culture. But then when you are here, these issues are discussed in such depth and everywhere. And you mm-hmm. kind of, first of all, you educate yourself and obviously then you educate the people in your country. Yeah. Yeah. Although it is quite difficult um, for me, I'm not, I, I'm not sure about you, Izzy, but I do have difficulties having conversations on topics like that, because I think even today in many Asian jurisdictions, there's so much sensitive issues to every single topic. There's so much taboo, things that people can't speak about, can't share, and it's quite scary because that's a way to silence people's different opinions. Um, I, I, I have experienced a lot of people who still do not get the importance of racial equality, who do not get the importance of gender equality. And these are basic human rights that a lot of countries um, in Asia, I mean, Asia is a beautiful place, don't get me wrong, but the governance of it is quite um, backward in terms of how how they perceive a lot of equality studies and how to perceive equal rights. It's so different from the, the... level of mental perception of these issues here in the western world particularly the uk no it's you are absolutely right it's true like there are so many taboo topics that are actually not discussed and i think everyone's opinion should be heard and maybe people want to talk about it but they're just scared this is like just like in my country, for example, Kazakhstan, as you know, there are also certain issues that people do not want to talk about because it's just taboo topics mm-hmm. and definitely kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. did you find studying law challenging? Or still find the answer? So uh, studying law for me was, I think I, was, I would say I had it better than some students because I did law in A-levels. But I think it was still a challenge because I was trying to balance understanding my career opportunities and participating in co-curricular activities and my academic studies on one hand and trying to balance out that social life, which I didn't have a lot of in Malaysia. So I was trying to find a good footing and balance of what I want for my first year. So at the start, I found it really challenging juggling everything. I had this module called Understanding Law, which I had such a difficult time trying to kind of comprehend. It was a lot of theory, a lot of um, moral studies in law, ethics in law, and a lot of um, essays that we had to read. So it was quite difficult to kind of manage my time. And um, after a while, I think you kind of get the hang of things. Uh, After the first semester, at least for me, I kind of got a better idea of what I wanted to do, um, what I'm good at, what kind of questions I'm good at answering. And I think it's always a trial and error process. I always strive to kind of complete my work before and kind of get a feedback from it. So that's how I slowly build my skills. So ultimately now I don't, I still find law very challenging at times, but I'm not afraid to pursue it because, you know, it's not the end of the world if you get an essay wrong or you write an answer wrong. It, there's all, you all, ultimately, it's a part and process of learning and that's what university is about. Mm-hmm. What would you advise to people who want to 
pursue studying law in the future? I would definitely advise themselves to really have passion for it, number one. I think that a lot of people um, study law because they not necessarily are passionate about it, but because they, are, they see external pressures kind of pressuring them to move into a degree in law. I say that because I was exposed to that, as I mentioned um, earlier on. Uh, thankfully for me, I, I did, through this course, realize that law is my passion. But I can't say the same for a lot of people who want to do other courses but are not able to. So definitely make sure that you have a passion for it and you need to be resilient. Um, law, studying a, a, a course like law definitely means that there will be times where you're overwhelmed or where you encounter hindrances and failures to your exams, sometimes to your applications for work. These are things that you need to be strong enough to push past. And if you aren't, that is okay. I mean, resilience is important, but uh, having a good and healthy support system is important as well. Uh, definitely have a passion for reading um, because that's 80% of the subject. And I think it's important to kind of increase your awareness, not to commercial issues necessarily, but towards issues affecting the globe because everyone studies law for a different reason. Um, commercial awareness is a big thing, but, and it's very emphasized in our university, but ultimately you need to be aware of global issues. So you find out what you want to change with your degree, what kind of role you want to pursue as a lawyer or any other legal careers that you decide to pursue and kind of, create your own authentic selves by by a combination of all these values I've just mentioned. So you have to have your passion, you have to know what you want to do, slowly discover what you want to do. Sorry, let me correct myself. And also be resilient, um, be, be, be conscientious, be hardworking and kind of understand and kind of have that open space and have an open mind to discover yourself above everything else. Yeah. Um, okay. It's really good advices. And um, mm -hmm. would you say you've been quite anxious when you prepared for exams or just when you studied law? And how did you deal with that anxiety? I think, unfortunately, until today, and this shouldn't be the case, but it is now, there is a huge competition and competitive spirit in law. And sometimes it creates very unhealthy environments. You see your classmates studying for a tutorial before you do, and you realize that you are falling behind when not necessarily you are. I think ultimately it's to kind of, for me, during first year, the first few exams, I was very anxious because I didn't know the correct studying strategy for me. Ultimately, different people have different ways to study and you should not kind of use another person's studying standards and studying methods to kind of mirror your own. For me, I realized that, uh, for example, I realized that I'm a fast reader, but what are the flaws of those? And you kind of work on your strategies, how you improve yourself. So although I was very anxious at the start, I could not sleep. I had very little sleep. I realized that that doesn't work for me. I can't go to an exam without having sufficient rest or sufficient sleep. So some students can do that, don't get me wrong. And that is amazing, but that's not a value that I have. So I realized that for me to study well, I need to um, kind of extend my time in the day and I need to make sure I get good rest. I need to make sure I consume um, a nutritious diet so I'll feel very tired and fatigued. And I realized that kind of drastic, drafting up my own strategy, like um, I am gonna spend, allocate two hours a day to study kind of helps me because I realized that 
I'm not, I, I, today I spend less time comparing myself to others, especially in tutorials where people tend to be quite competitive sometimes and people kind of want to up each other their answers. That is not me. That's not who I am. I realized that as long as I understand the concept of things through my own way of learning, that is fine. And I should not judge myself because ultimately the exam results are the only things that matter. Um, and how you study determines that, not how you look at other people studying or get envious or scared of them and other people's methods of studying. Mm -hmm. And as you said, everyone is quite individual and everyone like needs to find their own way of studies. And mm -hmm. the most important thing is not to compare yourself to other people. And it's definitely yeah, definitely. And so following my last question, would you say it's harder mm -hmm. to be a BAME student who's studying law and especially you are in third year and I guess you're applying to training contracts. Are, are there any obstacles for BAME students? Mm -hmm. That's a very good question. And um, ultimately, I do not think that I can speak for everyone from the community. Like I cannot imagine myself like students from another culture, but being of an ethnic minority for me has been a challenge um, in university and in other areas of my life. I mean, at night, even like, it's not only academic wise, but in terms of socially, you still get race, racist slurs, especially when you're walking home from a night out. People still kind of say racist things at you, um, especially when they're drunk. And these are things that happen to me um, through my first and second year. And I've kind of, I, I did not internalize it anyway, but I feel that there is still definitely, even though it is not explicitly shown in many ways, there is still some internal racism that needs to be rectified and addressed today. Um, in terms of my studies and applying for training contracts, as for your question, I think for me, the main obstacle was just not having an understand, not having a good understanding of Western culture, not having a good understanding of Western laws, like a lot of um, other local students may start out as. Um, obviously, I come from a different country. I, do not, I did not know a lot of UK legislations when I came in. Uh, I did not know anything about UK career paths. So it is quite difficult to kind of and to kind of put suddenly have to shift your whole idea of career paths of education to um, that of a foreign country, which I had to do. And I say I would say that people aren't necessarily racist to me, but a lot of them do not understand that it takes a while to kind of get a grip of local authority, to get a grip of local career paths. I uh, when I first went to a career fair, I was expected to know everything about commercial awareness, and um, I was expected to know the roots of vacation schemes and training contracts, which I felt that wasn't necessarily. Um, the fairest for me as an international student coming to the UK as to discovering myself. Um, I feel that sometimes, especially when working as a society, um, I, I feel welcomed in my society, but sometimes there are obstacles, um, racial obstacles that I do feel I need to overcome to kind of get recognized or to kind of get acknowledged for the work I do. Not by my committee. My committee are an amazing group of people who are an amazing support system. But I feel that sometimes the pressure comes from other people as well as within myself. I feel that I have to show myself more. I have to kind of outdo myself and reinvent myself every time to kind of make people remember me, which is quite difficult because at this point, even until today, I can't actually point out whether is it I think today I can only conclude that it is a mix of both 
So because of how I internalize what other people say secretly deep down, I kind of force myself to keep outdoing myself. And I just always, I always feel immense pressure to achieve more today. Yeah. And I'm really sad that you experienced the racial, um, uh, the <laughs> racial injustice towards you in your first and second years. And I, I feel really horrible and, it's not like how it's supposed to be. <laughs> no worries. But I guess it's a really major, stronger mm-hmm. person, as you said. And you recently became a president of Law Society, mm-hmm. which honestly one of the best roles to be in at the University of Nottingham. And congratulations. Mm-hmm. So what is like? What Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> it is very hectic. <laughs> I am not going to lie. Um, I had to send out like 15 emails at least today and kind of sort out some paperwork. And I feel that it is a very demanding role. Um, I feel a great sense of responsibility being part of this role because I ran for president, not necessarily for the LinkedIn cloud. In fact, I did not run for it because I wanted to add something to my LinkedIn or because I wanted to kind of prove myself to um, firms I ran, I ran for it because a lot of my friends kind of expressed concerns in terms of how we embrace diversity as a society. We kind of change things, how we can support our members better. And I saw a lot of outlets and avenues where we can do that. Um, so I threw myself into the role, into the position. I ran for an election and um, thank, thankfully to people who voted for me, I'm very grateful um, I won. And today, today, like six months on, it is very demanding. I, I'm starting to feel pressure. Sometimes I might feel overwhelmed, but I think ultimately for me, if I look back and I reflect on my intentions, that's something that keeps me motivated. And hopefully I just want to leave the society with a better uh, platform to assist our members and law students at the university. Yeah, because I would say honestly, during my first year, uh, when I was, became a member of the Law Society. I felt like Law Society was kind of like the prestige place for people and it was mm-hmm. not that accepting. And I was like, oh, wow, why do they act like this? Like that is incorrect because as I think as a legal profession overall, if my law should be inclusive and as you said, diverse. Because different, like being different is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm it is. It, it is <laughs> that you are a president. It is. It is. Thank you so much. Yes, I definitely agree with you. I think um, there is not one way to be a good law student. There is not one way to be a good lawyer. Um, a lot of, unfortunately, um, unfortunately, today the world is. I mean, our university especially is quite dominated with career paths that focus on commercial law. Um, And I say that that's great because a lot of students do want to pursue commercial law. I think that's an amazing thing, um, especially if we can support our members that way. But we're not forgetting about the person who wants to be the human rights lawyer or the student who wants to be the environmental lawyer. So these are things that we should always take into account. And these are people that we should embrace Ultimately, um, even though our society focuses on commercial law, we need to be an open outlet so people can feel a sense of community at the University of Nottingham. It's okay if you want to be a human rights lawyer, even though there is this strong perception that a human rights lawyer may not earn as much money. Because ultimately, if your intention is about the money, then 
uh, I mean, law is a good cause because some law outlet, some law career paths do make you good income, but it is about your passion. And, and if people don't feel that that's necessarily the priority, they should embrace that and we should welcome them and we should promote support for everyone. And that's something I, I stand for. And I believe my committee stand for as well. That's amazing to hear. And what about you? What's next for you after your third year at university mm -hmm. and is your last year, am I right? Yes, it's my last year. Double. So I do am trying to apply for vacation schemes at the moment and training contracts. Um, I do want to pursue commercial law. I do like some areas of it. I love litigation. I love um, and clean energy law. Um, so I am applying to firms. Um, I'm trying to make time to do it, even though um, schedule recently has been busy and crazy for me. And um, if not, I do also want to pursue my master's in environmental law. So that's the next next option that I want to do. So um, I might hang around in Nottingham for an extra year if things go well. <laughs> That's great to hear as well. And good luck to you with your applications. And in this thank you so much and weird times as well. I I think mm -hmm. you got everything. So thank you so much again for being a part of the podcast.